welcome back and thank you for joining us once again here on Clear the Air, a Simply Stogie's podcast after show. I'm your host, the guy that puts this whole shit show together, and I'm here as always with the hosts of Simply Stogie's podcast. That is James and Nick, but we're going to do this a little bit backwards this time. I'm going to start off with you, Nick. Nick, how are you doing and what are you smoking? I am doing well, enjoying some great weather this last week in New Jersey, 80 plus degrees, uh, broke all kinds of records. So fuck, I'm happy because I'm in warmer fuck right weather. Off. Fuck right off. Uh, <laughs> right. Listen, listen, listen. For a guy that's from Florida, this is my type. This is my speed. This is what I enjoy. Hot I would, weather. I would love 80 degrees. We had a few days of, you know, high 70s, 80 degrees, and then all of a sudden this weekend hit and it dropped down to absolute crap. And we we actually got some snow. Had some snow. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're done with snow in Jersey. As far as what I'm smoking, this is the first time I'm smoking this cigar. It's called the blackened which I don't oh know. okay oh, i am so okay. glad you i am so glad you you chose that uh hi uh thanks tim i'm doing well thanks for asking well, no, um, i'm also, not done talking to nick shut up get off the camera <laughs> all, all right. right all right james now it's oh, your turn you how are you what are you oh, smoking you and, right and let's off, talk tim. about that black yeah i am smoking that's what i want to talk about i'm smoking the McAuliffe, connecticut uh which was the first cigar actually that i got um uh, notes of butter and cream out of uh when i when i first tried it oh so many years ago um and it's it's still one of my favorites uh and it's the petite corona that comes in this uh uh McAuliffe cigars uh collector's edition which is not a limited edition it is a regular production we had a lot of fun talking with uh, andy Affy, national sales director uh, on the last episode where I steamrolled the hell out of Nick and only let Nick like ask three questions. Like it was fun nah, for me to nah. like, I, I, his track <laughs> is just silence for like 90% of it. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm shaking That's my right. head going oh shit. I fucking steamrolled him. Yeah. I mean, you do that okay. quite often. Well, shut up. Uh, <laughs> but I'm doing well. It's cold as balls. We already talked about that. Nick, what do you think of that blackened? So it's a Drew estate blackened. What size is it? Uh, and, it and what do you think? It's the, uh, like a petite Corona size. I don't know what they're calling it. Uh, the smaller gauge, it's supposed to be full bodied, but I don't really taste a lot of full. It's not full bodied for me. Um, I thought it was going to be interesting because it's got Connecticut broadleaf. It's got, you know, the Pennsylvania broadleaf. It's got Mexican wrapper. Um, it's, you know, put out as, as you know, by Drew Estates. So I don't think it tastes like a Drew Estate cigar, but kind of does with, I mean, it doesn't taste like a Liga, but it's definitely different, you know? So I don't know. I'm not, I don't smoke a lot of Drew Estate stuff to be perfectly honest. I'm in the so same I, boat. I don't smoke a lot of Drew Estate stuff, but I do like the blackened. I love the blackened. But I, I, I liked it. I, I like the story behind it. And I like, you know, the Metallica tie-in. I honestly don't know how far these gimmicks will go. It's a gimmick. <laughs> and you know what? Gimmicks sell. You know, yeah. as you know, it's supposedly uh, they play, you know, the uh, Metallica music 
you know, in the aging room or whatever to, I don't know what they're supposed well, to do. Oh, they do that with the, the bourbon, the, the Metallica the, bourbon. Uh, each yeah. batch is put into a room and they create a Metallica playlist, which which is kind of a cool gimmick, like it's you a, said. It's a great story. It's a great story, yeah. you know? I used yeah, to, but, don't, when, but don't they do that because they have to literally what I know about bourbon would fit in um, a thimble. Uh, but, but isn't, don't, don't they have to like roll the, they it, like the liquid has to roll in the barrel or move. Well, in that's the barrel. what but normally when bourbon sits and ages for four years or eight years, however long it's going to age, it just sits in the barrel. And yes, they might actually take it off the shelf and rotate them. But it's kind of the same principle of Jefferson's Ocean, where they put it on a boat. The boat takes a voyage, and it's the motion of the boat rocking in the in the ocean that moves and sloshes the bourbon around. <laughs> it's the motion of the ocean. Yes, exactly, and and that's what is supposed to make Jefferson's <laughs> yeah. Ocean so good. But is they used to is? on the website for Blackened Bourbon, they used to actually put you can look up the batch, and it would tell you what the playlist was. And I don't think they've done that since, I don't know, like batch 90 or something. Uh, here's the deal. Like, so, Nick, like, bottom line, do you like it? Or are yeah. you just like, it's a gimmick cigar. It's okay. It doesn't taste quite like Drew Estate. So, like, whatever. I, I would smoke it again, but it would not. It's not my go-to type uh, flavor profile. But I would smoke it again. It's not bad. Because it's so, not my go-to flavor profile either. Like I, I usually prefer medium, uh, uh, maybe medium plus, somewhere around in there. And every once in a while, I'll smoke a full cigar. But I'm going to be honest. I, I'm a Metallica fanboy. Like the new album, 72 Seasons, that just dropped on he what, Friday. He won't stop talking about it. I won't stop talking about it. I love it. Uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a musician by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I, I know a little bit about music and I'm a big metal head. I'm a big Metallica fan. I really like the album, but I've that cigar blackened. I've gone through uh, a box of Robusto and a box of Toro. And I still have, I have a box of Toro that I haven't opened yet because uh, for reasons I can't explain, but I really, really dig it. I, I like the cigar. I, I, like you said, I like the story behind it, but I'm a Hetfield guy. So I like to, uh, support them uh and give them more of my money that they don't <laughs> at all <laughs> it is go. a good stick i need to find another box because i'm sure that i'm down to probably my last i don't know four sticks or so it's a sad story you should probably pick it, up more it is it is well and uh they had uh they, they all over the place i keep getting emails for the the different yeah, brick and mortars having uh yeah, back events and stuff so yeah i mean i just I don't know. I had to uh, re-up a membership, so that took a little bite mm. out of the budget. <laughs> anyway, yeah. moving on. I don't want yeah. to get a strike on fucking YouTube. Fuck off, I YouTube. didn't say any names. I didn't say anything like that, so mm. I think it will be all right. All right, so this episode of, um, of Simply Stogies, the one that just came out, it uh, was an episode with uh, Andy. Uh, Andy Yaffe. Yaffe, yes. I need bigger text on my screen, Andy Yaffe. <laughs> You're so uh, from McKellif. Yeah, I know. I don't. I need my glasses. Can I borrow yours? No. <laughs> Get your own. Uh, but it's episode number one hundred. So listening to that episode, I did have one kind of takeaway from that that I wanted to ask you guys some questions about. But then I also kind of wanted to dig into episode one hundred as a number, the number of episodes of Simply Stogies that every listener has somehow managed to suffer through. 
That's an accurate statement for the first <laughs> for the first ninety or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you know you've had Andy on the episode twice, or on, uh, not on, on the, the episode, yeah, but on, on the, the show, show twice. twice, right? And when I listen to that, he just comes across as a very down to earth guy. Like he just knows how to sit down with you and have a conversation, like he's talking with one of his best buddies. And yeah. I think. But that's a sales and Nick can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been in sales for years. That's a sales thing. If you're a sales guy, you can talk and you can talk to anybody about anything. Sure. Especially if you're a good sales guy, Nick, would you disagree? No, not at all. But he also has a lot of experience in dealing with a lot of social media. The guy is on the circle. He's been everywhere and anywhere and he's promoting the hell out of McAuliffe. He's doing his job, basically, and he's gotten very good at it. Very clear, having him on, how he is the consummate professional, where other people, maybe in his role, don't have the same level of experience, maybe are good in sales, but he's got the behind-the-mic camera uh, experience to go with his sales experiences, why he's a good guest. Which is which is rare in the industry, Nick, for me, to I, find I that. I agree, I agree. Where... Everyone in McAuliffe seems to have that media savvy, that media, because I was media trained uh, as a manager for a Fortune 100 company when I worked for him. I was trained to do TV. I was trained to do radio, like how, like what talking points, how to pivot, like how to get things back on track and to deflect things you don't want to talk about. And everyone at McAuliffe that I have talked to, including Andy, are very, very well versed in doing that. Now, that's not to say, and I don't want to make it sound like Andy's not a great conversationalist, but Andy on camera, just like with me and Andy off camera, are two different people. And it's, 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 for me, it's always fun to kind of see that dichotomy, just like Nick is a different person on camera than he is off camera. We all have, when the lights come on and we fucking hit record, we're all on, right? We're all on. And I hate, like, I hate. And Nick, you can you could probably speak to this as well, but I hate having to be on all the time, if, especially at a lounge. Absolutely. Uh, you know, for me, I don't think I'm much different. Um, I, I mean, you would know better than I would, but I think being <laughs> on, as you say, I'm always on, it seems like, because I'm always talking about my brand and I'm always out and about. So uh, where I just... I'm usually just myself, you know, yeah. so I don't know. I think it, being on, it's a more of a, for me anyway, like I've, I've had different personas uh, throughout my podcasting career. And one that was divisive to say the least was the Crowley character where I would just rant about anything and everything. And I was always up in arms. I was always like super, it was, it was my personality, but it was as uh, spinal tap would say, it was turned to 11. Most amps go to 10. This amp goes to 11. Um, so that was that. And, and when you're off camera, Nick, and when I'm off camera, we're more subdued. Like I'm still outgoing and I still like to talk to people and I still, but it's more, and the same with Andy, it's more just everything's toned back and everything's relaxed and you're more relaxed and you don't, for me, when I'm doing an interview, I'm always listening, Right. And it's not like when Nick and I have a conversation that I don't listen, but it's, it's not, it's not the same. Nick. It's not the same. And you know, it's not the same. Stop laughing at me. Damn it. 
I'm not, okay. I'm not saying I don't listen to you, but I don't listen to ask questions. I listen to, to, to listen. Does that make sense? No. All right. Whatever. Yes. No, understandable. No, the sign of the, of a good interviewer is to listen. It's so often you see on some of the most professional shows on TV, they don't listen to a thing they're saying. They're already thinking about the next question. They could be saying anything. And then there, there's been great examples of that. And then, you know, I could be talking about my cat and then you'll go on to the next question. And it's like, where did that come from? So it's very <laughs> important to listen to, you know, as an interviewer. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I listen, Nick, when we talk. I, Tim, I don't. When Tim, right? Talks, I was gonna I, say, yeah, yeah. No, I don't listen to Tim at all. But like when when you and I have conversation, but it's different. It's so. For example, and this isn't throwing throwing you under the bus, Nick. But when we were at my old Kentucky Herf last year, you, myself, and Andy all sat down and had a conversation the night before the event, and you didn't remember <sighs> it, and neither did neither did Andy. Well, I was just going to say, it's funny because I remember McAuliffe being there, but, you know, I go to a lot of events and I knew it wasn't Al McAuliffe and I, and, and I didn't know if he was the local guy and I, I don't remember his name to be perfectly honest. So it, it also in retrospect, I, I, he wasn't, I wasn't very memorable to him either, obviously, because he didn't <laughs> remember talking to me either. So well, and that's I the thing. You guys in the cigar industry, you guys talk to a ton of people every day. It's not like it's once, uh, you know, in a while you talk. It is every day you are meeting and speaking to new people, promoting your brand and doing what you do. So it's understandable. I've said that to you, James. Uh, you know, when we go out to the trade shows like the PCA, we go year one, we go year two. And I'm just amazed at these manufacturers that talk to a hundred, hundreds of thousands of people and you walk up to them and you're like, they're like, James, like they just know you. Like they remember that. That's because I'm an asshole and they just remember, oh, here's so they remember here, asshole. Here well, comes the large sense. asshole. Like, I don't, why do I want to talk to this guy? That's yeah. pretty much it. Well, I'm pretty good at remembering a face. Um, you know, sometimes the name goes with it, you know, but you have to make a mental note of saying, oh, I need to remember who this person is. And if you take the time to do it, you should do it with everybody, obviously. But sometimes, you know, like you said, you're talking to so many different people. You know, it's it's difficult to uh, well, keep and it I all mean, in track. When you're at a, especially for a manufacturer, when you are at a, an event, you're selling and you are trying to, and, and this is not a knock against anybody in the industry. So please, nobody take it as such. But you're trying to make friends with somebody for five minutes. That's it. It's all you're trying to do. You're trying to make them your friend for five minutes. And in that five minutes, if you can make them your friend, they're going to buy your wares. Well, I don't think friend is the correct word, James. You're trying to make a connection, some type of connection at some level with that person where one, they'll remember you, one, that they will like you enough to want to purchase your cigar or have interest to at least look into uh, your brand. So, yeah, it's not about making friends. It's about being memorable in some way. And that is being likable. If the guy doesn't like you, there's no way he's going to buy your cigar or your brand. So you're the first line of defense. You are representing whatever business product you are selling. So you need to be likable. That's rule 101 in, in sales in general. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of people who smoke cigars aren't sales guys. They've never been a sales guy. 
you know, a lot of them are, but a lot of them haven't. So they don't understand that. And I think a lot of people just like expect because it's different in the cigar industry than it is in a, in a retail setting. In a retail setting, if you go in once or twice, you don't expect people to remem- remember you. But if they see you, Nick, at, or even Andy, at, a, at, a, in a, at an event one time, and then like you made a mark on them or Andy made a mark on them or anybody else in the industry, like Pete Johnson, like he is a, Pete Johnson is a uh, character. Recognizable. In, very recognizable, person. right? I, like, I, I don't want to say icon, but, well, but he, he's, he is an he, icon. He, you know, he's not going to remember you because you may, he made an impression on you. You probably didn't make that impression on him. And that's not a bad thing. That's not saying that you, you're not, as a person, you're not uh, relatable. It just means that he has to do this a lot. Nick has to do this a lot. Andy has to do this a lot where they are constantly selling. They're constantly trying to get you to like them, like Nick said, and, and doing the sales thing. And then they move on to the next one. And it's not that they put you out of their mind, but they're not going to remember. And so when, when like for me, whenever anybody remembers me, like I'm like, okay, cool. I made some sort of impression on them and I kind of have to, right? Cause I'm in the media. Uh, so I kind of have to make that impression on him. Like when I saw Nick Melillo at Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest last year, I hadn't seen him in literally 12 months. I didn't get to talk to him at the PCA. Uh, I think Randy went and talked to him for a little bit. We didn't get a chance to sit down and talk with him in a couple of years. He's been on the podcast once in a couple of years. And I, I walked up and I was like, hey, can I get, it was, his, uh, it was somebody, it was probably a sales rep for that area or the broker or whoever he has. And I was like, Hey, can, can I get Nick to sign this box? I bought this box of, of the Olmec that came out. He's like, yeah, absolutely. Just give him a second. So Nick was talking with somebody else and the guy walks over, hands him the box. He goes, Hey, can you sign this? He goes, yeah, sure. And he looks up and he goes, I know you. I, I know you. I've been on your podcast. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, Nick. Oh, yeah. It's James simply still. He's like, I knew it. I knew it. He's like, I don't forget a face. I'm like, all right, cool. So when people remember me, it's great. When they don't, I don't take offense to it because like I know they talk to a lot of people, right? And McAuliffe's no different. Nick's no different. Like, whatever. Sometimes I call Nick and he's like, how'd you get this number? I thought I thought I changed my number. <laughs> he's going through burner fl- burner phones like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I keep changing this, damn it. He keeps getting it. I don't know how. No, so okay, McKellif, uh is one. Well, really, the only company that I know that has come out and publicly said anything about uh, making the decision to stay away from online retailers and focus on the BM B and M. And Nick, I know that your approach is is very similar, right? So, could you expand a little bit more on why the B and M is a good thing compared to online retailers? Yeah, I briefly touched upon it in a few minutes that I actually spoke on that last episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a very big point. I had a very, on a much smaller scale, something happened to me very similar to what McAuliffe went through. Uh, one of my first sales at the first trade show I did happened to be with Famous Smoke Cigars, right? Famous is a very big online retailer and they came to my booth and they had the whole sales team the buyers um, the owner, and they basically came up to me and said, all right, you got three minutes, give us your elevator speech, go. And I was on and I did what I did. And I think that and the fact that they liked the cigar and they bought it. And I was happy. I'm like, Hey, wow, that was easy. And these guys were a big account and they bought a lot of stuff. 
Now, what I didn't expect because I was somewhat new as a manufacturer side, uh, going to a big online house as your first major account is a very big foobar. It's one of the many mistakes I made in the early days. And the reason for that is once they go out and they publish it and they put it online, you're walking into all these other retailers. And the first thing, if they haven't heard of you, they're going to look you up. They're going to go online. They're going to Google you. And if the first thing comes up is Famous or JR's or any of the other major houses, these brick and mortars are going to go, well, why should I bother carrying this guy's cigar if he's online where people are going to buy it? Because I was in retail my whole life and I was in the electronics business, which I told in, in a previous life. And it was the same thing. When you bought certain products in certain electronics lines, you didn't want to buy uh, I mean, you had to have it like a Bose and a Sony because everybody had Bose and Sony. But you didn't want to be the same as an independent. You didn't want to sell the same thing that Best Buy and TC Richards and all these accounts sold. So you sold things that you could identify with your customers and show them the difference about why they should buy this over something that was more mainstream. So that's what retailers, the brick and mortars are looking for. So if you're online it can generate some serious problems. And in my case, I had to buy back the product to get, to get off of that site. Um, and I think McAuliffe had a similar situation where they were purchased by a lot of these online guys. And then the, the brick and mortars probably gave them a lot of resistance. And uh, then you realized, oh, you know what? We need to regroup here. And having said that, the way you really build the brand, in my opinion, is one by one with every brick and mortar, because those are the people that are going to not only promote your brand, but really, really get the word out. You know, the online guys, you may get the name out. May, people may see it and say, okay, there's a brand I never heard of and it's in my face, McAuliffe, and it's here and it's there. But the only way they're going to get the right respect for the brand is if you go to a brick and mortar, you go to your local tobacconist and he says, hey, have you tried this McAuliffe cigar? So really, I believe that brands are built on the brick and mortar channel. That is the best channel. So maybe, and I don't know what the statistics are, but most of the brands that are out there, they probably do the majority or at least a good chunk of their business with the online houses. But that's the ones that are more established. And so they're just looking to expand their business. And that's the ideal place to do it. But that's already when you have a thousand, two thousand retailers in your pocket. Then you can go to those uh, mail order houses, but you can't. Now we call them mail order, but they're you know it's online, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, the brick and mortar channel is the most important, and every new brand that comes out should really focus not on just sales and numbers, but on getting into as many doors as they can with their brand. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I think. I think that when you're building a brand, B&M is the way to go because a B&M, your customer, if you have, if you as a, as a brand owner have trained the B&Ms that you are in and taught them, Hey, this is what goes into to my brand, to McAuliffe, to LH, to whatever it is. This is what goes into my brand. This is what I'm all about. And you get that buy-in from the retail store, from the, from your, from your B&Ms, you are going to have a lot of goodwill with your customers. Uh, and so building a brand, yes. But when you, when, you, when you shift from brand building to maintaining, and I know that neither, uh, the, the McAuliffe is not, like they're still building their brand, you know, 
Andy said that a couple of times. It's even more important, I guess, when you're building a brand because you don't want your you don't want your product to be devalued. And when you start selling to these large online retailers, they discount your stuff. And that's kind of a problem because when it's what happens is is when they discount it, your customer can then go online and get it for 15, 20, 25% under MSRP. Especially when uh, these large houses, and I'm, I will name names because I don't care, but like your cigar pages, your uh, your 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 kind of uh, online auction houses. I think Famous has an online auction uh, where you can like suggest a price, and if it's within what they what they'll sell it for, they'll sell it for you, and it's all automated, whatnot. But that devalues your brand because now you can get it cheaper in a couple of different places. And again, I, I will, and I think I've said this on, on the show before, I would encourage all of you to go listen to the longest running cigar podcast out there, Cigar Authority, uh, and listen to uh, Dave Garofalo talk about this from a, from a uh, B&M owner's perspective, because he says he watches the brands that show up on these, on these sites and he will, he won't, he won't push them in the B&M because he can see what's going to happen. And I think Alec Bradley and Room 101 are what you will see happen when these companies do that. Because they devalue the brand so much, they can't sell them for the 25% markup, quote unquote, which is just your MSRP at a B&M. And they can only sell them in mass, in quantity to these large retail outlets, online retail outlets. And they kind of get stuck and then they get stuck. And what are they going to do? Well, let's just go ahead and sell to the people who own these largely online retail outlets and they sell to STG and then they become part of general, you know, and sure these guys, I don't begrudge Matt Booth selling for whatever he sold for. And I certainly don't begrudge uh, Alec Bradley uh, for selling for $75 million. Like good for you. Like I just be on a beach somewhere sipping mojitos. Talk to the, talk the island to the, gym life. Yeah, I would. I would be the island gym life, but probably, uh, you know, I just, I, I would be that creepy old guy hitting on all the young chicks. I got $35 million. So I, I don't begrudge them. <laughs> I don't begrudge them that at all. Like, good on them. I'm glad they built something, sold it, made a ton of money. Like, that's the new American dream, right? It's not, it's not, uh, uh, you know, a white house with a white picket fence and a two, uh, car garage and you know 2.7 kids it's let me build a business sell it for a lot of money and retire well it's interesting because you know i know we've always said you know support your local brick and mortars and so on and so forth but at the same time you have the online retailer that might be easier and almost always is going to be more inexpensive and so that's a real enticement when you're trying to save a couple bucks. And I get that every location is going to be different because you got your state taxes and your tobacco tax, your retail tax and everything like that. And Nick's answer actually provided me with more insight because I totally get the devaluation of the dollar, but that whole building of a brand, that's part that as a consumer, but once you've I don't built think that of. brand, right. But once you've built that brand, if you let it become devalued because you're selling it at a discount elsewhere, 
and not supporting your local BNM. Like, here's the thing. I've always said a BNM should cost a little bit more than online anyway, because you're sure. getting, you're, you're, you're selling an, an experience. You're not just selling the cigar, especially if you have a lounge and you're not just a, a storefront, you're selling an experience. And, and beyond that, it's a personal experience and you get to make a connection with the brand, with the store owner, and sometimes with the, with the brand's reps or the brand's owner, or like, there are, you, there's a multitude of good that comes from having that B&M experience as opposed to an online experience. And, and, and everyone knows I'm friends with someone who owns an online shop. I think it's great. I do. And if you live out on an island like I do, where there's not a shop within an hour of you and you've got to drive an hour and a half, two hours, online is a savior because you can get the stuff that you can't normally get at a B&M. And some shops won't carry everything, right? You're not going to find uh, McAuliffe in every shop. You're not going to find LH in every shop. You're not going to find Warped in every shop. You're certainly not going to find Castagli in every shop. You're not going to find, I could, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that you want online is a good way to get it, try it, try it for cheap. And if you like it, then when you see it in a lounge, you're at, well, I always say, don't bring your own cigars to a lounge. I think that's, that's just bad form as the English would say. Bad. That's like an unwritten rule. I know, but there's, I can't tell you how many times I see, especially if you are a member of a lounge where you walk into the back, you go to your locker, you grab your cigar and you go sit down. And you start smoking it. And you don't spend a dime other than your membership. Mm-hmm. And while you certainly earn that right to do that because you have a membership, you are not supporting the lounge. Every time I go to a lounge, it doesn't matter what lounge, I usually buy five cigars because I want to support the lounge. I'm, I may not buy a box. And that's box. on the low side. I've been with you. Yeah. I may not <laughs> buy a box. Like I rarely buy a box. Rarely from B&M's. But well, I will. James, I, go ahead. if I can add to that. The other main reason to go to your local tobacconist is not only for the recommendation or picking their brain or all the other reasons that you so well stated. There's one other aspect. For me, cigar smoking is a social thing. It should be for most people. So who you're having that cigar with, I mean, I have my regular group of friends that I smoke with, but I can walk into any cigar lounge. And that's what I love about this whole industry is everybody comes from all different walks of life, but yet you're all tied together with this one common thing. You're smoking these dead leaves. And because of that, you're connecting with people that you normally would never connect with. And it, it just opens up free conversation, easy conversation. It doesn't matter what else you have in common. You have the most important thing in common, which is what you're smoking. So you have plenty to talk about and it just kind of puts everybody's guard down. And it, it's just, a welcoming way to meet people all over. And I think that's the best thing about lounges and cigar shops. You know, I love going to a new shop, not only to introduce my cigar or to go meet with the consumers that automatically or that are already smoking my brand or any other brand, but it's to meet people from all walks of life and talk about cigars. The reason why I do what I do on the podcast level, on the media level, um, is because it opens up to even more people that I normally wouldn't be able to talk to. And, you know, it could be anybody. And that's just the beauty of this industry. And that's why I'm in it personally. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I think you're right. I think that is probably the most important reason to go into a B&M 
is to meet other people, to socialize. Like you said, this is a, a, a social hobby. It's supposed to be anyway. Um, or you could do what I did and build a basement uh, where you can smoke in and you can just be a hermit all day and you don't have to talk to anybody and just smoke Right. Cigars. I was going to say, I mean, you would think that, um, you know, a world <laughs> pandemic that basically says everybody stay at yeah. home, sit in your house, and then, you know, getting used to doing everything online. I mean, how many on what we're doing right now, we're not in the same location. We're herfing and we're recording. And well, you, know, and you I have mean, that functionality. Why would I travel 30 minutes or an hour and a half down the road to go to a lounge? And, you know, Andy brought this up, but they have online herfs all the time. In fact, there's one going on right now with the McAuliffe Ambassadors because it's uh, 7 o'clock on a Monday night. Uh, I'm sorry so, to keep you. No, you're fine. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're I, I, you know, and I always feel bad when I talk to anybody from McAuliffe because I love those guys. I really do. Uh, they're all great. They're all sociable. They're all gracious with their time. And, and I appreciate what they do uh, in the industry. But I'm just not. Like I've been in clubs, I've been in forums, I've been on, and it's just not my thing. It's just not my thing. Uh, but they so, do. They like they're very they're very social. They have a herf every uh, virtual herf every Monday. They have guys on from the industry. Uh, McAuliffe used to do uh, during the pandemic uh, an off the record with people from around the industry. And I think they've had Steve Sock on and uh, just a ton of people from the industry. I know they had coupon a couple times. Um, and, and it, I think it's great cause it allows their fans and their base, their consumers to talk about and learn from other people in the, in the industry and they might find a new cigar they may not have smoked before. And there's something about, there's something to be said about that. If you are a manufacturer and I've said this before, I've said this about Illusion, I've said this about McAuliffe, uh, and, and even with Nick. If you have the cojones, as they say, to smoke someone else's stuff publicly and still be secure that my stuff's good, go smoke it. You don't have to smoke it exclusively. There's something to be said about that because there's a lot of folks in the industry that they, they do it. They all do it, but they'll take the band off because they don't want to be seen smoking somebody else's stuff. And I just think I, I think that's disingenuous. Uh, well, that may be the corporate policy too. You know, they probably are not allowed or have been told that they shouldn't do it. And, and with all due respect to all these manufacturers, I get it. They're being paid a salary, these uh, sales reps or brokers. So they need to promote their brand at all times. Doesn't mean that that's all they smoke, but at least that's the impression they give. Somebody like myself or somebody that's, you know, a brand owner, uh, you know, I smoke publicly anybody else's cigar, and, and I do that not only for my own research, but to also know what's out there. So uh, it's not about being – I am confident, and I think every manufacturer is confident, or they wouldn't be out there selling it, or they're not going to be selling it very long if they're not confident about their own cigar. So they should be. But at the same time, you know, I understand why the corporate people don't, you know. I've seen no, that a few that. times where it's like during business hours, I'm smoking my cigar or my company's cigar. But then after hours, when you're just kind of sitting back chilling, I'll smoke whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Which I know. I, but, you know, when you're at the trade show or you're at an event, if you're a manufacturer and you're not trading cigars and you're not networking with other folks, like I watched you network with uh, uh, Lucioni uh, last time, right? With uh, uh, Luciano uh, Morales from Luciano Cigars. Like, I saw you yeah. network with him, Nick, 
and talk with him and you guys traded cigars and he smoked yours and you smoked his. That goes on a lot more behind the scenes mm -hmm. and not Absolutely. in my not enough in my opinion in in front of everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's just well, not enough and, and I, to me there's enough division and backbiting and name calling in the industry as it is and to see that kind of camaraderie like we're all in this together I that, to me that's great. Well, Luciano for me was not that was a great first experience with him and having met him that time at the Kentucky Herf uh, for the first time, you know, you're talking about another fellow blender. So we were able to bond on so many different levels and talk about each other's cigars. And, uh, you know, he's he's the real McCoy. I've said it many times. And, um, you know, he's he's a great guy. And I, I did have a great experience with him. And we do that a lot. There are certain people that are more open and there are certain people that are much more closed or would never do that. And you basically figure that out as you go. But the industry is friendly you know, uh, for the most part, whether it's real or, you know, or uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, most people are very open about that. I mean, we're all there to do the same thing. We're, we're selling a product that's a luxury, that's uh, a passion, that's a hobby. Uh, it, it's not uh, like selling the food that you need to buy or, or something. It's something that it's all optional, right? So people have a lot of choices. There's 5,000 million uh, different cigar brands, uh, things that you can smoke. So, you know, everybody, there, there's something for everybody. And that's why I always say, try a lot of different things. I, I always tell people, you know, I'd like for you to try my cigar. But again, you know, if you smoke my cigar every now and then or in a rotation, that's all I could ask for because nobody should smoke the same thing. There are people that do, and there's nothing wrong with those people either. They're, everybody's different. But yes, there is. when you smoke <laughs> different cigars, you get, uh, you know, the, the experience of figuring out uh, what look, your own power is. Nick, I, there is something. Look, I get it. There's a lot of people who want to just smoke that Rocky Patel edge or that Rocky Patel whatever that they found in, in early 2000s or the mid-1990s, uh, you know, that they've smoked for the last 20, 30 years, and that's all they want to smoke every day, and they don't want to try anything new. I feel bad for those people. Like, genuinely feel bad for them. Because there is so much good stuff out there. And I'm not saying that that Rocky Patel cigar isn't good. It's not a Gurkha. I'm not, it, it, I'm not saying it's not good. <laughs> I love Every it show. when I say Every shit show. like that because Nick's reaction well, is what, always just when, fucking when perfect. When are we going to have Gurkha online? Really, you know? <laughs> like Nick's like, Jesus Christ, you fuck. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 there's just so much good stuff out there. And especially in the boutique industry where a lot of, Great cigars go under the ring. I've said it about your core line. I find your core line, Nick, to be one. And this isn't just blown smoke. And I know you hate it when I do it. No. Your core line is one of the better boutique cigars out there. Like I never have a problem with construction. The Claro is as close to Cuban as you're going to find in, in a non-Cuban cigar. And I don't understand why it's not in every B&M in America. I just, I don't get it because if... I get it. If you don't like medium or, or mild cigars, fine. I understand. But you have people who would love these cigars in your B&M and they would move. So I don't, I, I don't get it. So when you, when you're smoking just your Gurkha or your Rocky Patel, smoke what you like for sure. And you can have a box of those uh, that you smoke through every, every month. Or if you're Randy, our lone uh, lifetime member 
of the LE Club and benefactor of Simply Stogies Podcast. Uh, and most prolific fucking reviewer on the website. I don't even, besides myself. <laughs> you feel like I, you're getting paid to say that. I kind of do feel like I'm getting paid. Fuck you, Randy. Um, that <laughs> I feel, you know, where you smoke that box for a week and then you buy the same box, but you have to smoke other things. And that's what Randy does. That's why I think I get along so much with Randy is because, yeah, he has his one box that he likes to smoke through because he's always got to have one in his mouth. He's always got... But he doesn't mind throwing it out if he's got to do something, right? If he's got to go to work and get something done, he'll toss it, go do what he's got to do. But he's got a ton of other stuff, and he loves LH. Uh, you know, he turned me on to the brand as well as uh, Evan from uh, um, that newsletter. I don't even remember what the name of it was. God, damn. oh, you, the yeah, blend. you know him, the blend, the blend, yeah, was the blend. Yeah. yeah, Evan from the blend, uh, the now defunct uh, cigar newsletter. Um, but Evan turned me on to it. And, uh, Randy turned me on to it. Uh, and it was funny because they were both friends with Nick. And they're like, you got to get this guy on your podcast. You got to get him on your podcast. And I'm like, who are you talking about? And then like uh, Randy, he's like, he he was in town doing something. He called me. He goes, what are you doing? I said, nothing. He goes, come over here where I'm at right now. I got something for you. And he gave me a big bundle of just different LH cigars and different Vitolas. And I smoked through them. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I got to get this guy on the podcast because these are really fucking good. So I don't, I get it. You want to smoke the same thing that you're used to, but I feel bad for people who do that because there's so much better stuff out there. There just is. You know, speaking of uh, trying different cigars and uh, growing your palate, let's transition to the 100th show because that goes to where you tried a cigar and you had to get a hold of Nick and then Nick became part of Simply Stogie's podcast. Uh, but before we get there, cause I have, I have a question for Nick when we get to the point. I'm so, I'm so excited to see what his reaction is on this one. Um, oh boy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so. James, you've been doing podcasts since what I believe is when uh, Jesus started doing carpentry. <laughs> yes. um, have you ever hit 100 episodes on another <laughs> podcast before? I was thinking about that the other day. Bad Gamers Anonymous would have been the only one that came close to that. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember hitting uh, 100 episodes uh, with that podcast in particular. Oh, as I hit the camera, that's fun. Um, <laughs> that's okay. It's, it's just gotta fucking be professionals. It's yeah. funny. I've been podcasting for the, the better part of what? 15 years now. And I still hit the fucking camera like a fucking noob. Um, no, this is the first podcast that, that has hit a uh, hundred episodes. It's also the first podcast, uh, that has been ranked in, uh, by chartable. Uh, it's the first podcast that I've done. Um, that has gotten any kind of traction whatsoever with viewers, listeners. So I, again, I think I said this last time, none of this would be possible without you who are listening to it now, streaming it. If you downloaded it, great. doesn't matter. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube or on rumble, like, thank you. Uh, it, without you guys, none of this would be possible. Not like none of it at all. And we've had some great backers and supporters, uh, for the last, uh, four years that we've been doing it. Um, you know, not all of them have, have, uh, continued the journey with us, but we keep getting new ones all the time. And so, you know, again, thank you to everyone who supported us monetarily, um, including Randy, I guess, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our loan. Another benefactor. honorable mention. Another honorable mention. 
Um, but you know, we had guys like Caleb McReynolds and, and, um, Chris Hansen and, uh, uh, Rodney, a friend of mine, like there's just, I have made so many friends from doing this podcast in and outside of the industry that it's just been phenomenal. So I, I've even had somebody recognize my voice and they're like, wait a minute, are you James from Simply Stogies? I'm like, I listen to you all the time. I'm like, oh, so you're the one. Yeah, you know, which is always my go-to because I, I, it's not a big deal. But I'm I'm I, I've been very blessed to have semi-success with this podcast. Like I don't make a lot of money from it at all. Like it, and any money we do make, Tim, you know, goes right back into the fucking kid. Oh, like yeah, goes, I'm aware. <laughs> like the aware. amount of money that you and I alone have spent on on stuff for this podcast. Like we haven't made that money back yet. Oh no, I mean, and I don't think we ever will. Probably you know, not. it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, we enjoy it and we just keep doing it. But did you ever think that, you know, starting a passion project, doing what you know how to do, and that's podcasting, that we would get to where we are today? You know, I don't know if uh, I would say that I know how to podcast is because I hit the camera a little bit earlier, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you know I mean, what I, I used no. it lightly. <laughs> Very lightly. No, I don't think I... I I don't think so. I don't think I would have ever said someone's going to recognize my voice. I don't think I would have ever said, um, you know, we'd hit a hundred episodes in a, in a podcast that I've done. I don't think I would have ever said that I'll be doing this podcast again in five years. And, you know, look, I'm not to like let people know how the sausage is made, but once a year <laughs> I go through this thing, this phase where I'm looking at Tim and I'm like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Like I'm just done. I'm burnt out. I'm fried. I'm crispy. I don't want to fucking do this. Fuck this, fuck that, fuck the other. And you're just like, yeah, okay. All right. Well, let's we'll wait until after the PCA. We'll see what you say. And always after the PCA, the last two years, you're it's like, all right, I'm re-energized. Let's fucking go. And you're like, yeah, I know, fucker. It, it is. Over the past couple of years, it has become an emotional roller coaster. And, and it is it is up and down. And I, I know that we've tried different things along the way. Um, you know, we started off with the website, which that's still going strong. Uh, we do reviews. A lot of traffic. Yeah, simplystogies.com. Go check it out. Like, we do reviews. There's no ads on the website. Uh, it's not like Half Wheel where you're going to get inundated with 72 ads. And that's not... That's probably a little bit of jealousy there because shit, if I could get Davidoff to give me half of what they give fucking half wheel for an ad, I'd take it a quarter. Give me a quarter of what you give da half wheel Davidoff, you fucks. Uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's it. this exactly is how you're going to get them too. That's exactly. This is it. This is why we don't have ads. It's not yeah. like I'm some kind of altruist that doesn't want to take anyone's money. It's just I piss everybody off and say the wrong shit. Uh, but yeah, like it's, uh, it's this thing every year, man, we go through it and I, I don't think people really know what goes into making a podcast. I think people think it's, you grab a microphone and you grab a, grab a camera and you just sit down and you bullshit for an hour and a half. Well, I mean, sort of kind of is, yeah, it's also kind of not like you, you kind of have to know what you're talking about. And I've said this before where. I would, I would show up to interviews with copious notes, three to four pages of fucking questions for these guys. And that would take days to come up with days. Like it was a full-time job. And I finally got to the point where it's like, you know, and Nick has asked me, he's like, well, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to ask? And I'm like, and that used to be my process. And I don't do that anymore. I'd just rather have a conversation. I'd rather it flow organically, get to know who we're talking to. And for someone who's a legitimate journalist like Nick. I know that can be hard because Nick's like, where's the fucking structure? 
And I'm like, that's actually where I was going to go because Nick, (laughs) you're not new to media at all. You used to be part of a radio show, which we all know there was a whole episode on it. How different is podcasting from radio? Uh, very different. Um, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to try to be nice and you don't have to. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a totally uh, structure on a radio show when you have to be on point with your, your station IDs and your commercials and you have certain, certain amount of minutes to cover this area and there's different segments and there, the show's got to flow. Uh, the, mo- the most important thing, I think, whether it's a radio show or it's a podcast, is not just the informational aspect of it. It's the, again, likability aspect of it. You have to be entertaining. You have to want to have people listen to you. If you are just droning and people are just going, oh, okay, and, they, and they're zoning out, they're not going to go back next week and listen. So you got to keep it entertaining and you got to keep people wanting to come back because they feel a connection to you as the host. If they don't feel that, eventually they're going to go. There's no shortage of podcasts out there. Just in this very small industry that we call cigars, there's how many different podcasts and how many different Instagram shows, Facebook Live, uh, everything. There's a million different shows out there. So, you know, if somebody stumbles upon you, they're going to give you an opportunity. But if you zone them out, they're going to move on. So it's important to be entertaining and likable you know, on any type of show. Yes, the structure is way different. I'm still learning. This is only my, you know, fourth or fifth uh, show. And I'm including the after show. Um, to <laughs> I don't try, know why. <laughs> to, to, try to, to try to figure out the format and to make it be entertaining and also want people to come back. You know, you, you have your underlying or talking about cigars. That's the common thing. But there's so much more. They want to know about you, James, as a person. They want to know they, they f- if they're going to feel a connection to the hosts. Uh, they need to know about your personal life and what's going on and what makes you tick and why are you doing this? And there's a lot of things. And that comes out. Your personality must come out. And if it doesn't, they're going to move on. Yeah. And, and to develop that personality, because look. I, I, I said this earlier, right? I'm a little bit different off camera or off mic than I am on mic. Like, yeah, I like to go out and Just, I like to socialize, but if I don't know you, I don't, I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want to talk to you <laughs> like I do here. Does that make sense? Like, I don't mind meeting new people and like, that sounded so terrible. Like now yeah, I'm yeah, replaying it, it, it in my did. head. It's like, Jesus, this guy's a fucking asshole. Kind of him. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not going to be the one that starts a conversation with you. Right. But if you start a conversation with me, I'll start, I'll have that conversation with you. I'll, I won't, I'll never forget this as long as I live because it's the weirdest fucking compliment I've ever gotten as a podcaster. I, I was sitting, this would have been, I, you had already left Nick, but this was at the mild Kentucky Herf, And it was, it was that, that last night. And I think you had taken off. Oh, or no, you were in the bathroom or something. I don't even fucking remember where you were, but I was sitting by at the table on the patio by myself. I was smoking a cigar and this guy comes over and he sits down, starts talking about the, the, uh, the, the mild Kentucky herf, the, the event and whatnot. And he, and he's like, so I heard you're a podcaster. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start talking about that a little bit. And he looks at me because there's this lull in the conversation. And he goes, you have the most beautiful head of hair. I've ever seen on a man. And I'm like, 
Are you, what? I'm like, are you trying to pick me up? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, cause I'm married, dude. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I'm just saying. He's like, I, cause he was kind of bald. He's like, I haven't seen hair like that in a while. I mean, that's just pretty head of hair. I'm like, Jesus Christ. That's, All right, man. See, that's Thanks, exactly buddy. the type of conversation that I would walk away from. I would just be like, mm. <laughs> but yep. that's, and you, you never, you, yeah, you never know what you're going to get with folks. And, and it is kind of weird when you're recognized. Uh, I almost prefer that I'm not recognized. And now that we're doing this YouTube show, I'm just kind of like, oh, fuck me. Don't not worry. Many, not many people are tuning not many, in. Not many people are tuning in. <laughs> um, so, Hopefully uh, that'll change. Yeah, my anonymity still. Uh, look, I, I, to go back to this 100th episode thing, uh, it, it, we, I am blessed to, ha- to, to be able to do this. I'm blessed to have Nick that Nick said yes when I was like, hey, because we had him on all last year, once a month. And I was like, uh, we did the Cuban sub series all last year in 2022. And I asked him, I said, Nick, you want to come back on just permanently and like co-host with me? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was, I'm very blessed to have Nick. I'm very blessed to have Tim. Uh, I'm very blessed to have all the writers that we have. Cause they all do this for free. Uh, Michael Gouge is our pipe guy and he does a great job with his uh, uh, pipe tobacco reviews. Um, Randy puts out um, a lot of content for us in the form of uh, cigar reviews. Ryan Nehus. Uh, puts out a ton of content for us uh, in the form of cigar reviews. Uh, and then we've got uh, uh, David Howell, who does a, he's like, he used to be our Cuban guy until Cubans got to be too expensive. Cause again, we don't pay for it. It's all out of their own pocket. They buy the cigars. They, they, they smoke what they want to smoke and they review what they want to review. There's no agenda. Uh, we just ask that they do it once a month. Uh, and, and David does that when he can, he's got uh, a beautiful, uh, brand new baby boy. So congratulations to him and his wife. I don't think I've said that publicly yet. Um, you know, so he, his time is limited, so he gets us content when he can. And then we've got to do with Bruce, uh, smoking underscore Hobbit, I think on Instagram, um, Bruce is a great dude. Uh, and he's got a couple of reviews out for us. Uh, he's got a, a, a lounge review cause we do lounge reviews. We do product reviews, we do everything, but he's got a, and he's got a cigar review out for us. Uh, and we're excited to, uh, to, for the future. We really are. I mean, I, I guess I don't talk about this enough, uh, because I always feel kind of like I'm shilling and I'm not, but we have done very well. The podcast, uh, there's over 2 million podcasts worldwide. And according to chartable, uh, which tracks podcast downloads and whatnot, uh, uh, better than just about anybody else out there. We're over, uh, we're always in the uh, 8,000 range, top 8,000 out of 2 million total podcasts. It's not 2 million cigar podcasts. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, But 2 million overall podcasts. We are always in the top 8,000 month after month, week after week. Um, So uh, again, thank you to you guys who listen to us and our website, Jesus Christ. I would have never thought Anybody would want to read what I write, but I'm glad we've got a, a bunch of great reviewers for us because the website does what? A hundred thousand hits a month, 80,000 hits a month. Yeah, shit it, like that. it definitely it's gets its hits. Yeah. And, and t- the funny thing about the website is when I originally said, Hey, James, we should probably have a website for simply stogies. The whole intention was just to have a landing spot so that when somebody Googled simply stogies, it would bring them to a page that said, Hey, we're a podcast check us out here, here, and here. And that quickly, like overnight somehow, turned into what it is today, which is a hell of a beast. It kind of is. It is a monster. Uh, and, and it was a monstrous undertaking to kind of get it to where it was now. And that was all on Tim. 
So, you know, thank you to Tim because while he doesn't put out written content, the written content that gets put out is put out by Tim. Like he makes yeah, sure I just up, try to make running. sure that it actually shows up on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to Tim and thank, thank you for all, all that you do, Tim, because I don't tell you that enough. Usually it's just fuck off. Uh, yep. I know but, what you mean. Yeah, it's it, it has grown leaps and bounds, and it's it's a hundred thousand a month now uh, that go and look at that, uh, and they spend an average of five minutes on the website, which is an eternity when you're when you're talking about staying on a, one website, uh, which means they're there to read whatever review is out, and they read it, and then they're out. They're not like searching for other ones. I wish they would because we have a ton on there, and that's all. Michael Breek, and I think I've thanked him before publicly. Uh, he was our first reviewer, unfortunately, medical issues. Uh, he had to give up the hobby, but he was Michael Brieg was our first one in Brieg. Uh, and, and he did a lot of work in the actual designing of the website. So um, and the designing of the uh, of the of the reviews themselves. Yep. Yeah. So he he played a huge chunk in getting that to move forward. You know, there's a couple things in podcasting that will kill you if you're not good at it. The first one's consistency. Uh, and the second one is audio quality. I think our video quality is kind of on point. I mean, we use Zoom, uh, so a little it's a little compressed uh, sometimes. But you know, we, we all have great cameras, and we we all have this equipment that cost us too much money um, to even think about. Uh, and so I think on the two major components of being a successful podcast, as far as what you can control. We're, we're, we do it at a high level. I think our audio is always on point and, and, and we're consistent. And, and that doesn't mean we haven't missed some. There was a derecho that went through a couple of years ago where I missed three weeks because we didn't have power. Or um, internet. Yeah, I remember yeah, power that, unfortunately. Was, yeah, I do too. That's terrible. Um, and then uh, at the beginning of this year, I think we missed uh, an episode um, because we wanted to get started with Nick and have it just kind of flow through. And I didn't want to start with Nick and then have a week off. And then, come back. and now we've added this show. We used to do cigars and coffee. Now we've added this show. Uh, we've talked about adding other shows. And so we're always trying to not really reinvent the wheel, but figure out how we can get more content to you guys. I'm trying to decide if I want to do a uh, TikTok 60 second, simply Stogie 60 second cigar review, which is kind of a tongue twister. Uh, but that's a lot of effort. Take you that, 60 seconds just to get the title out. Yeah, no shit. Uh, but that's a lot of effort. Um, we would put that on our, our Instagram reels and whatnot. I thought like going live on Instagram. I, I well, speaking of all I the great content that we put out, uh, the PCA trade shows coming up and we have a lot of great oh. things planned for that. Do we? Uh, yeah, we, well, don't, we do. No, we do. We have a we have a lot of great content. I just know how much work it's going to be. Yeah, and I know that right after the trade show, you're going on vacation uh, with your lovely wife. Uh, so I'm going to be putting out a, a ton of the content when we get back. You're going to be putting out a lot of the pre content while we're there. Um, Nick's going to be there with us. It's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to see Nick uh, going around and and interviewing folks from the industry uh, and finding out what they got going on. And it's, I'll tell this story because it's kind of funny. Like the PCA didn't know what to do. Cause I was like, Hey, uh, Nick Sirius is part of our team. And they're like, well, does he still own uh LH premium? I'm like, yeah, he still owns it. Oh, what's he doing there? I'm like, he's, he's me. He's part of the podcast. He's a co-host. 
Like he hosts the show with me. Uh, like, and he's going to do all the media duties while we're there. Oh, I think part of it was someone last year was going like they, they went on someone else's badge and then was like doing business for a different company. Well, that, that's been the biggest problem with the PCA. And that's why they were probably asking you a million questions there. The, the biggest problem with the PCA over the years have been that the amount of people that are on the floor that should not be on the floor, whether there are consumers that unfortunately a lot of retailers allow consumers to come and it's an industry only event. Um, so they're trying to be, you know, they're trying to be the correct gatekeeper and I don't blame them for doing that because the more qualified people you get on the floor, the better it is, the traffic that's there for the manufacturers that are spending an awful lot of resources, money, time, and effort to be there to present their goods. So if you get somebody that's just strolling along and just playing trick-or-treat, grabbing cigars from every table, and I can tell you I've seen it on all ends, and it's not fun. You kind of recognize it. And the biggest problem is the time you're wasting with somebody that's just yanking your chain, well, you could be talking to a legitimate retailer. So kudos to the PCA for doing exactly that, which is making sure that people are there are really one part of media, not just creating a company just so they can go to the show because there's that factor too. And then, you know, that they're not a consumer. So, you know, uh, it's a good thing that they're doing that. Yeah, no, I've, I don't. I've I don't done that disagree. before. I, like I, I, I look. I, we don't, and I tell everybody when we go, don't ask for a cigar. You're there to do a job. Go do your job. Like you're going to have enough people offer you cigars while you're there, but don't fucking go begging for it. Like I don't want to hear that you asked because that's not why we're there. We're there to bring to 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 make content, and then to put that content out, not only for for our viewers and for our listeners, but for the manufacturers and for the PCA as well. It's a lot of free advertising for them and they're taking their time to give it to us. So don't like, don't do that. And I know there was a problem a few years ago and this is why I want to get Coop back on the show uh, before the PCA, maybe while we're there at the PCA, maybe a day before Nick or whatever uh, we get, we get Coop to come on and we talk to him about this because there was, there was a, there was a kerfuffle uh, a few years ago where media was taking a bunch of cigars and that's all they were doing. They were there and they were just, and then they would threaten the manufacturers by saying, Hey, if you don't give us free cigars, like I'll do a review on it and I'll, I'll bomb you. And that's, that's, that's extortion or blackmail. Well, or, well, I think or, those whatever. podcasters or quote media are probably not still with us because the one thing people do remember are these type of people that look, we had a very fast rule with the smooth draw uh, radio show and Pretty much everybody needs to have. You don't ask for cigars. You're there to do a job, which is to produce content for your listeners. Now, we know that we buy all our cigars here. We don't ask for cigars. I never ask for cigars. And like you said, a manufacturer is going to want to give you a cigar. And if they don't, so be it. But the point of it is, is you're there for a job. And if you're there just to score cigars, then you're not going to be there very long. Yeah. This isn't the big smoke. It's not whatever local event you go to. Uh, this is like, you're there. You're there to do the job. Like Nick said, like there's, there's a couple where I will go to, uh, to do the job as well. Like my old Kentucky Herf is one. I'll cover that. And we'll, we'll have people on who are there. Um, you know, but the right, like the Rocky Mountain cigar fest, like I said last week with, with Andy, that's the only one I go to where I don't want to do any content. 
I just want to relax. And I want to see people that I know in the industry outside of it that I've made friends with, talk with them, buy some of their stuff and have fun with my friends. Right. And that's that, that that's the one show where I'm like, I'm not covering that because I don't care. I just I want one show a year, you know, and I don't do big smoke because and I don't do smoke ins big one that they do uh, the, the Mardi Gras. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't even want to do the big smoke because that's that's trick or treat style. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that as a consumer. That's why they're no. there, right? But I, everyone's done that, and there's no reason to cover it. They're not putting usually anything new out. Um, but the PCA is the one where you go, and it's like, hey, what new things do you have? What do you want your consumers to know? What do you want your customers to know? And I, I sometimes I won't, don't even do the interview. I'm like, here's the mic. Like, they don't want to hear it from me. They want to hear from you. What is it? You want to tell them, you tell them directly, like, Hey, we got this coming out, this coming out, this coming out, look for it. It's going to be about this time. Like, it's going to be great. We're using this, this, and this, like whatever it is you want to tell them, like, this is your time. And a lot of the people, and I think I've said this before too, on the show, a lot of the folks don't know in the industry. They're just, we talked about earlier, they're not media trained. So they don't know how to really sell and talk about it in a media setting. But like Dan Thompson, who took an hour. He's like, I'm going to take you around. I'm going to give everybody, every one of your viewers, every one of your listeners, I'm going to give them the same spiel we give retailers when they come through. And he gave that a whole hour. Iconic Leaf Cigar Company, Scotty Weeks, my friend Scott Weeks, man. He came through and he does 45 minutes and he goes through everything, every piece of it. Uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, uh, Rick Rodriguez from, uh, West Tampa was really good last year too, where he did, you know, he sat down with us for like a half hour in the middle of the show, put all of his customers on hold. He's like, I'm going to go do this podcast. Give me 30 minutes. He came over, sat down, started smoking. Uh, I think it was a West Tampa black with us and we had a great conversation. So there are people who are media trained and there are people who are like, what do you want me to talk about? Like they got that deer in the headlight look and they're like, I don't know what to say. It's like, you Which talk is, about, it's talk about your brand, funny. man. It kind yeah, of, it's kind of is. funny. Cause they're just like, you, you know, you walk up to them and you're like, Oh, here, here's, here's the microphone. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, give us 10 minutes, you know, talk about whatever you want to talk about. And they're just like, I'd, I'd rather if you just asked me questions, <laughs> please just ask <laughs> okay. me questions. Like, I know um, if I did that with Nick, I was like, Nick, just whatever, man, you got as much time as you want. Talk about whatever you want. Nick'd be like, all right. And like an hour later, we'd be done with LH. Right? Cool. Thanks, Nick. But a lot of people can't do that, which is odd to me because it's their baby. Everyone wants to talk about their baby. And yes, some people but just can't. everybody doesn't have that part of their personality. That's why they have different people in their organization. Or if there's a newcomer, you know, they do what they do and they hope the cigar will speak for itself. And Unfortunately, it's only going to go a certain way. You have to be a mouthpiece. Somebody has to be a mouthpiece for your cigar. But there are different, a lot of different brands. And I, I, I see it on all different levels, you know, on the manufacturer side, I've seen it on the media side. Some people, you know, like you said, deer in headlights. And, you know, that's where as a podcaster slash media, you can try to draw out, you know, some information from those, you know, people that are less experienced. And make them look good. That's our job to make them look good. Uh, you don't want to make anyone look bad. You know, the idea is no. to try to give them a platform. And if they need a little bit of help, they need some, uh, you know, guardrails or whatever the case may be. You got to help them along. 
to get their message out there. And, you know, it's been a few years since I've done it. And I'm looking forward to doing that again, because I think I can offer that different uh, side of the uh, the game. You know, having I'm on both sides and this side, I can try to get that out of people and, and help these brands, especially brands that need help and especially brands that have great cigars and maybe don't have the right mouthpiece. We can help be that for them because at the end of the day, we're not doing it just for the brand. We're doing it for our consumers, for our audience, for our customers, which is our listeners. So yeah. we're helping everybody. I, I Like last year I had people ask me like, why didn't we cover the, uh, the Padron Fuente collaboration thing? And it was like a non-announcement announcement. Like, here's what the box looks like. Great. No, everybody knows about that. Everyone's been waiting for that since what? 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been a few years. They've been waiting for this collaboration to come out. And when we to- were there and they were doing the reveal, like the whole floor just flocked to that area. So everybody else was already covering it. Yeah, I don't need to cover that. That's not who we cover. Like, that's why we don't do news. You want news? Go to half wheel. Like I tried to do news. And I've said this before in the hundred episodes we've been here for the four years we've been here. I I once upon a time tried to do news and we once got a press release at the same time as everybody else. And I was the first to put the press release out doing a press release is a weird thing. Like, so for somebody who wasn't legitimately like trained as a journalist, you're just regurgitating talking points that have been provided to you for another company. That's all you're doing. And you're trying to do it in a way where you're not plagiarizing. Uh, And I got it out first. And that was the first and only time I got a press release at the same time as everybody else, because I'm just assuming somebody else complained that this small little startup fucking whatever, simply stogies bullshit got a press (laughs) release out before we did. And we don't want to see that again. All right, fine, whatever. I don't I don't have to do news. That's not what we're about. Now, during the PCA, that's kind of news, right? But we get it out the same time everybody else does, and everybody does it in a different order, and everybody's got a different flavor of how they do it and a different spin on how they do it. Uh, and I think Half Wheel's really good at looking at the business side of things. Like, I, I don't give Half Wheel a lot of props, but their, their business acumen and their understanding of the cigar business is probably second to none. Right. And so when you want to find out what effect something's going to have on the industry as a whole, like half wheels where you go, because I think Charlie's got some pretty good insights. And I think Brooks has some, some, some pretty good insights. Um, but a press release is a press release and it's just regurgitating what, what's been given to you. So I don't understand why everyone gets up in arms over who put what out first. I don't give a shit. So I stopped doing it. Like, I'm not going to do that. But, no, plus, it was a pain in the ass trying to oh keep up God, with it because you, I mean, there's times, there's days you get, you get five four or six or five. Up. Yeah. And yeah. you're just like, it's a full time fucking job. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Just wasn't you know, worth it. No. But, you know, going to the trade show and getting it right from the horse's mouth and letting people's personality, because like Nick said, you know, you got to have a personality and you have to let that personality resonate with those who it's going to resonate with. Uh, and that's what we do. We give people that opportunity, right? Like Nick said, you got to draw it out. Sometimes you got to put the little bumper, uh, inflatable bumper things on the in, in the gutters at the bowling alley. All right. And you let them bowl and you're the bumper and you kind of just <laughs> move that ball back and forth, heading down towards the pins. And hopefully by the time you're done with that interview, they've knocked down five, six, seven pins, maybe not strike, but they got enough down where their, their personality comes through. 
uh, and their message comes through. And that's what we try to do here all the time, you know? So I, I'm very happy. We're very lucky to have hit a hundred episodes, Tim. Uh, and, but there's no way I could have, could have done it, uh, without you, uh, without the staff, without, you know, Michael, Ryan, Bruce, um, uh, David, Randy, Nick, uh, and everyone else who came before who tried to help us out, uh, and, and was here for a little bit and left. And I don't remember all of their names. Um, because I'm we've, terrible at that. We've, we've, uh, we've been through a lot of people that have donated, uh, some much appreciated time to, uh, simply stogies for sure. Um, but, I guess with that, guys, we're kind of running low on time here. The uh, new uh, rate is per minute, uh, and it's starting to get a little bit of uh, expensive. So, <laughs> what is this? Is this the '90s and a cell phone plan? Right. This is the '90s cell phone plan. Is this like no, '80s I, long distance? I don't understand. No, no. Like I said, I wanted to try to keep these uh, as close to an hour as possible. You got the two wrong at, guys. Uh, two, you got the two, two hours. Yeah, you got the two wrong guys to try to fucking do that with, man. Uh, yeah. No. Apparently, me and Nick uh, like to talk, especially me. I know. I'm, I'm well aware. It is, I and that's the thing. I don't want to stop short if there's good conversation, uh, but sometimes the bladder gets in the way, and it's like <laughs> we we gotta we gotta cut this short, guys. And uh, besides, if we for talk Tim's forever, if we do this forever, we're never going to get to a hundred episodes of Clear the Air because it'll just be one really long episode. Whatever, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> uh nick glad you made it back on we'll uh see you here Thank in a you couple of weeks me. and and james as always uh we we love to hear that empty can rattle That's you want to exactly uh throw the I bumpers up and and scoot us on out of here shill yeah. us on out of here i don't know who we're going to have on next time i have a sneaking suspicion of who it's going to be but it's going to be some scheduling plus working around some personal things that uh, i'm going through but until I promise, whatever it's going to be, it'll be we'll be talking simply stogies. Uh, until then, uh, that's Tim uh, who's laughing and has to pee really bad. So I'm just trying to drag this on, hoping he pees his pants a little. And that's Nick, my friend. Uh, uh, you got both of you guys again. I couldn't do this without you. So thank you very much uh, for everybody else. Thank you for listening. This has been Simply Stogies. Till next time, stay smoky, friends.